I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. My name is Dave Hanratty and there will be No Encore. Welcome to episode 290 of the No Encore Music Podcast. This is a weekly music podcast based in Dublin, Ireland, which talks about music, whether it's news, album reviews, signature top five themed list breakdowns, and a whole lot more. And of course, interviews. One such interview on this episode, this entire episode, is the amazing, the wonderful Orla Garland. She's an incredible, incredible artist. She was a former guest of the show. She's a friend of the show. And it was my pleasure to catch up with her on a on a rare trip home to Dublin. So if you don't know who Orla Garland is, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, fix that. Check her out. Check out her music. It's fantastic. She became something of a YouTube sensation about 10 years ago or so, garnering a following as she developed as a musician. A host of EPs would follow over the next 10 years, uh, showcasing an artist of rich personality, quick wit, lived-in life experience, and increasingly sharp songwriting prowess. Orla is based in the UK these days, but for my money, she is one of Ireland's most exciting artists right now. And honestly, I think we should be celebrating her a little bit more over here than maybe that we do. And that's one of the things we speak about on this episode, her reaction to that. Uh, We also talk about her relationship with her incredibly devoted fan base. I mean, we talk on the show all the time about like stan culture, you know, and and, and the the toxicity that can be associated with that. I don't see that with Orla's fan base. I think Orla's fan base are are great. They're so supportive and protective of her. There's an incredible communion there and kind of goes back to her days on YouTube and it, it's it's great to see it flourish that way while she herself is flourishing as an artist. So we talk about that, we talk about her status as an independent artist, her reaction to the ongoing battle between the arts industry and the government in both the UK and Ireland, and of course, I mean like why we're mainly here to talk about uh, her fantastic debut album, Woman on the Internet, which is out right now. And I would encourage you to go and listen to it after this interview, of course, stay tuned for the next hour, don't go anywhere. I'd say pick up the vinyl, 
support Orla's work. She works incredibly hard. This is an album a long time in the making. I think it's great. Um, I heard it a few months ago, thankfully. It was very, very, you know, uh, exclusive, you know, and cool. And it was a great thing to kind of have the time, have the lean in to, to really kind of get to know the record. Um, I think people are going to really enjoy getting to know the record. And I very much enjoyed speaking about the record on this on this episode with Orla and everything else as well. So listen, um, while you're supporting Orla, if you want to support another independent artist, that being this very podcast, No Encore, you can do that. It's patreon.com slash no encore. Throw us the price of a pint, the price of a takeaway coffee, the price of an old music magazine, which they don't really make so many of anymore, sadly. So, you know, this is the way. It's all one big hustle. Uh, We do bonus episodes every month. And most importantly, you'll help us keep the lights on. You'll help keep an independent thing going. It's patreon.com slash noencore if you like what we do. I would also encourage you, if you're a new listener who's just tuning in to hear Orla, to check out our main show every Friday on this podcast feed, No Encore. Look it up wherever you get your podcasts. I promise you it's a damn good time. And I promise you that this is a damn good interview. I can say that because Orla was great. I was okay, but she was fantastic. So without further ceremony, this is myself, Dave Hanready of No Encore, in conversation with the one, the only, the amazing Orla Gartland. That's who I'm sitting in front of right now in the Workman's Club. Thanks to the Workman's, by the way, for giving us a place to chat. Orla, it's been some time. I'm delighted to see you. How the hell are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm just so happy to be home. I know, uh, I just knew I wanted to be back this week, mainly to be with my number one fan and dad uh, (laughs) for what is also a big week for him. So I'm just really happy to be back. Uh, it is, of course, album release week. This podcast will be out a few days after the record comes out. It's been a long time getting here. I mean, you've been incredibly prolific, mm-hmm. but this is the debut album. This is the big moment. I mean, I think everyone has a different reaction to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think especially with the body work you have built up. But like, I guess what made this the debut album? Like, What made this the moment and why is this the time and how exactly are you feeling about this? Because like, I'm talking to you two days before it comes out, so it's very real now. I know, yeah. I've definitely been getting really reflective on the whole thing, like in the last couple of weeks, naturally. I think there was loads of points over the last couple of years I could have done it. Um, But just, it takes a village and so much of it was clicking into place a lot of other things around me. Like, I really was so set on knowing who my live band were like have like touring with them then being like a big part of it them then being part of the album I wanted to get better at production so that was like a big one that took me a while and yeah I mean I've had a couple of EPs out and there's been like almost false starts here and there moments where it could have happened but yeah there was just a few things like that it was it was just like when you know you know you mentioned like coming home and that's obviously like a cool thing to throw into the mix mm-hmm. um but like maybe this is a question that you don't think about or can't answer but I'm curious as to like 
I asked the question to myself, like, why is Royal Garden not, not like not quote unquote bigger in Ireland, like her native Ireland? Sure. Why aren't you pushed as much as like say other Irish acts? I mean, like, I don't know if that's because out of sight, out of mind, or something. I mean, obviously, you've built a career. You're based in the UK. Mm-hmm. You are Irish, of course. Mm-hmm. And also, like, this is a time as well when there's been campaigns about uh, women Irish artists, and like, you know, mm. we, we don't hear enough women on the radio. And I'm like, this fucking one right there. There's a hit maker. <laughs> like, she's right there, just because she's living in London. I think it still is, is it? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, do you have much of an, uh, uh, of an opinion on that? I mean, I'm not trying to get you into hot water here or anything, but no, kind of cool. I mean, it's impossible to think about these things objectively. I don't think like, oh my god, I'm meant to be a star, and they don't see it. Like, I moved because. Not because I don't love it here, but because I just couldn't figure out how to do this as a job here. Like, I just didn't know how to find a manager. Like, all the, again, a lot of the more boring puzzle pieces. So that's the only reason I went there, rather than I wasn't finding an audience here. I do think everything is kind of bizarre here, the way radio works. And, you know, I felt... I Before I left, I definitely felt, like, at a disadvantage for not having, like, an uncle that worked at MCD or something. I think there's so much of like that happening, but I don't know is the answer. I think it's been interesting seeing a lot of the campaigns, the gender disparity reports for radio and kind of chatting to, you know, we're in a big WhatsApp group, all the Irish women in harmony. And like, that was actually such a great thing to come out of last year because I didn't feel very connected to this scene here or like other Irish artists and especially solo artists, you can be kind of an island. If you're not in a band, it's like hard to find community. Uh, so that was like one of the, one of the better things to come out was just finding like like-minded people and hearing about like their experiences and it not all being bad. It not all being like moaning about not getting exposure or anything. Like it's actually quite a positive place, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think about it too much because it's like a, you know, it's a bitter road to go down. If you think too much about it, I'm kind of just happy to be here. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause like you turned up here today and you got your guitar with you and it's like, y- you imagine the busker who's like got all the sour ballads, but like, <laughs> yeah. that's not the case. I mean, you're like, it's like, like I say, you've been prolific. Uh, it seems like whether it's Irish women in harmony in a WhatsApp group or where, or, or, or like you're based in London, it seems like you have a community. Like, but I, I mean, like, I wonder, I mean, like, it's easy for me to say this. I'm not a musician, but I am a male podcaster. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's easy for me to say these things. And I do feel like, yeah, over the years, I mean, I've worked hard, but I've definitely, it, it is who you know as well. I mean, that is absolutely a true thing. I mean, I, I wonder like how different it is. Cause like, it's whenever I speak to someone on the podcast who isn't a white male, <laughs> uh, I always just feel like, fuck. I mean, like, I don't want to come across as like othering somebody, mm-hmm. but like your road is different. I mean, and again, I think that like, a lot of Irish artists do fall through the cracks and mm. a lot of those times they can be women. And I wonder what could be done better for lack of a better mm. word. Yeah. I think the way, I think the thought I come back to every time I get in a bit of a spiral with like thinking quite negatively about why didn't this happen? Why didn't this happen? Like I, I think I'm pretty, com- I'm, I'm pretty comfortable being, I'd rather be underrated than overrated. In other words, like I'd rather be, Ooh, why isn't it happening for her rather than, Oh my God, sh- her song is everywhere and I hate it, you know? So I think it could be a lot worse. And it, and it taps into another part of my brain, which is that I think I do have quite an underdog mentality and that's not just from being a girl. It's also from like putting out this, n- not with a big label. And, and that's another big part of radio here is like being able to feed songs directly through. So there's a lot more going on. I think that isn't, just uh being a girl but yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely crazy seeing some of those reports 
Yeah, the, the label thing is definitely true. I mean, yeah. there are some artists that can get absolutely rammed in your throat because, like, they're obviously on a contract. I mean, which isn't necessarily their fault, but like, there are times when it can feel a bit more forced or whatever. Mm. I mean, I can't imagine you haven't had label interest. Is there has there been a determination to be as independent as you have been? Like, is this a continuous thing? As you say, putting out the record in its current form the way you have, mm. and it does seem like like Orlick Ireland is an industry unto herself, <laughs> but that must take a lot of fucking graft. Yeah, it is a lot of fucking craft, honestly. I think, it's funny, I think as an artist, you are unsigned by default until you're like unsigned by choice. In other words, until you get a deal put in front of you, you are just unsigned by default. And it really wasn't until like two years ago that I actually saw any contract with my name on it. And I was, uh, I was just shocked at how bad it was. I was shocked at uh, how non-artist friendly it was and I'd been quite naive about how the whole thing worked I was like calling friends at signed record deals a couple of years before being like wait so this is how recruitment works and they were like yeah I was like oh my god that's like so unfair and I was like what like they can spend money they can spend your money without kind of running a past you and they're like yeah so I think I was like beautifully naive about the whole thing um but yeah see having the option of flirting with that idea didn't didn't tempt me. I mean, it, it did for a minute. I think the idea of like someone else taking the financial risk is tempting sometimes when I'm paying for a big music video or something scary like that. But um, ultimately, I it, it comes down to control, I think, creatively. And I would really struggle to do things on like someone else's terms I think it's amazing how it's changed I think you know we used to fucking grow up reading like Q and Enemy and like the mm. idea of like the million dollar deal and the strokes and the rapture and stuff and it was actually of all things like, like there's a 30 seconds to Mars documentary which I don't know if you've seen I've seen an unhealthy amount of times because it's completely insane I haven't but I'm kind of intrigued it's unbelievable right it's called Artifact right okay. it, it's directed by Jared Leto under a pseudonym and okay. half of the film is Jared Leto being the most obnoxious person of all time and the other half of it is like talking heads with like industry people and musicians and people like Serge Tankin and Amanda Palmer and uh, the guy from OK Go, whatever his name is. And they're all just talking about like how they got into these record deals that turned out to be like bear traps mm. and how like you don't know until and they're like, well, this is a 360 deal and this is how this works. And you'll basically be owing this money forever. Yeah. And it's like, that's not what was sold. That's not what like the dream was. Oh, my God. No, yeah. Deal contract fucking unreal i've done it and it's like oh my god this is like a mortgage yeah it's crazy i think the thing that i uh, i'm fascinated by is obviously the internet and how it's just become in terms of artists promoting themselves like basically the great equalizer like no no one is above tiktok it's humbling i hate it there but no one is above it and so suddenly you get this thing where me like i'm unsigned there's no big power big a and r big ceo behind me but really if i sign a deal the things that they would be telling me to do to promote them myself are the same things that i'm already doing you know what i mean except but like more a little bit more spend behind it at, at the beginning yeah and maybe a bit but ultimately more they'd be like just go and make tiktoks mm-hmm. <laughs> so i think it's it's humbling for, for people who work in those like big machine parts of music that are just, you know, are still powerful in some senses. I think if you make pop, like poppity pop pop, Katy Perry pop, you ha- have to be signed because that kind of music doesn't really work on a DIY, kooky, bootleg kind of scale. Um, you need like big music videos and you kind of need to be on the radio and like big production at the shows. So I think they will always have a place, the labels, but yeah, I think the deals themselves just reflect an industry 
long gone. Yeah. Does that feed into the title of the record, Woman on the Internet? Because I wanted to be the guy, I want to be the first guy to make the obvious guy. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's fucking done it. <laughs> but when guy. you like you sent me the album a couple months ago and thank you by the way. Oh thank um, you for listening. Oh no, it's it's fantastic. I'm not just saying that. It's really fucking good. But like I wanted to be like, ah, oh, there's my first obvious question. Like, woman on the internet, that sounds fun. Like, that sounds like a wholesome time. But of course, <laughs> I'm sure. Because uh, you are very active, like like you, like you you with your fans in particular. And I want to get to that at some point. Like, you do have, I mean, I think you're someone who plays the game well, but maybe it's not a game. I mean, like, social media is such a fucking rampant, overwhelming thing. But, or like, Ireland seems to make it work. But as you say, you hate TikTok. So, I mean, like, who knows? Yeah, I think... It's funny, again, I talk about this with so many artist friends. I think everyone else's projects feel like, you know, you look at them outwardly. It's just by design, isn't it, how it works. But you, you think everyone else is smashing it. But my perception of my project is that I'm, like, constantly on fire. <laughs> so I think it's like, yeah, everyone can make it look good, can they? I do, I do think part of it comes nat- naturally to me. I will say I don't find the whole thing, like, alien. Um, but I also don't find it as fun as doing music. But maybe that's okay. The weird thing, that I th- but you got to be an all rounder though, and like it's oh, true yeah. of like even like like a media job or creative. Like it's it's not you can't just be a writer. You have to be able You're to be a sound engineer, social media expert, or whatever, or like yeah. a, like creative. And it's just like I can appreciate the modern age. Well, I sound like my dad now, but I mean modern like the, age. the information. The, I think they call it the information superhighway. But it's just that thing of like it's like fuck. I mean like like what happened to having a discipline? And then it's like, no, you have to have every single possible thing. And also the music has to be great. It's like, awesome, cool, no pressure. Yeah, I actually think about this so much. I know so many people that are incredibly, like, incredibly good at music and incredibly bad at the internet. And they don't get a look in. And it's not fair because those skill sets are so far apart. Um, And I I think especially when I was learning how to produce... There were a lot of moments where I was like, God, I wish I could just throw my phone in a sea for like two years and like really focus on this and not be thinking about like the next thing and the next single and caught in the like rat race of keeping it, keeping it afloat because, uh, yeah, you're just wearing a lot of hats and sometimes it feels like you're not wearing one particular hat very well. <laughs> I like the analogy. How how reflexive are you though with your in, with your internet usage? I mean, like, is it is it just purely like it's business, and I use it to just promote myself, or like, do you? Because I, I I wonder who even enjoys Twitter anymore. At this yeah, day. it's such a good question. I think I think the lines always blur. I always tell myself I'm gonna plan my posts, get in, get out, drop the post, and go offline. It never really works out that way. I think to get the best out of it, you do have to kind of be present and engage and. I mean, you you use Twitter like there's a completely different tone and sense of humor there than there is on Instagram or something. And unless you're actually present and like using the platforms, you can't really pick up on that stuff. Like you can't come in and like be super boomer and like not really understand how these things work and try and promote your music. Like you kind of have to like get your hands dirty with it. But to the detriment, I, I would say, of your <laughs> mental health, probably. No, definitely. Yeah, it's it's that weird thing of like some people live there. That's like it's literally their job, um, for a variety of reasons. And it's just I don't know. There's just something quite decaying about it. Um, mm. something that, that I did enjoy that was very old school that you did. Um, I think it was incredibly super limited edition. Like maybe like two of them were made. Uh, you made an action figure. Yeah. Or someone did of of Orla Gartland. Yeah. Uh, and it was done in a style that like reminded me of those old Star Wars. Oh my toys god! Yeah. From like the eighties or something. It was so weird when that arrived at my house, I was like. 
Whoa. So for anyone who hasn't seen this, it's exactly <laughs> what I'm describing. It's like something that you would buy in the 80s. It's like an action figure of Orla Garland. And very, like, it's, it's, did you think it was a fair capturing? Like, like what? I thought it looked kind of strange. I mean, I this? shouldn't say that really. I mean, there's this guy in New York who makes them. He's got a really uh, cool, like, Instagram thing called Marquee Marauders. And he makes, I think it probably is like one of those things that's like hobby, hobby gone nuts, like makes these limited edition action figures of different people and he usually puts their album covers as the sort of piece of card that it's mounted to and I think probably just started doing it for fun and then I think a couple of artists got like commissioned ones done which is what I did we just used it as like an incentive for for pre-orders to like enter draw to win things because you have to give reasons for people to do things now because they won't do them otherwise uh but I thought it was I thought it was cool but my my hair was taller than my real hair <laughs> but i don't know how it, they're so little i don't know how accurate you could actually be if um if something happened if, if this sparked something an incredible new marketing initiative and there was in fact a line of orla garland action figures made uh officially commissioned and you, and you could be part of the design process and whatever cool. uh what accessories would you come with like like like, like what are like the five things oh, like cool. you yeah. automatically can i'd like live to have like a sort of i'm big into like bum bags at the moment so like or just like I like having little bags, not like big handbags, but so maybe like a, like a fanny pack, <laughs> probably a guitar, like obvious, but maybe, you know, one of those. And, um, God, what else would I have? Maybe a little microphone. I'd like to be less obvious than that though. We've already got the guitar. Yeah. It, it, it takes Maybe the there are a few things in the fanny pack, like tiny little plectrums, like little pen, little notebook. Maybe, yeah, I like this idea. I, I figured, like, I, like maybe I'm crazy off here, but I, like, the first thing I thought of was, like, skateboard. Mm. I, like, I, like, I can't skate, but if I could, God, <laughs> I would be unstoppable. <laughs> you live in, like, London, and you can't skate. I, I figured that was, like, part of the whole, you know, like, it's, it's either rollerblades or it's skateboards or it's something, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I'm definitely into that. Also, your doll would be way more useful if you had, like, a little, a little vehicle for it. Mm. Yeah, I love that plan. Monster on the phone Jacked up on your testosterone And I hate it, 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 I hate it So the record, mm-hmm. which uh, we, sh- we sh- probably should mention at some stage, sure. uh, is is very detailed. Um, you trailed it with a bunch of singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was Zombie. Yes. Which you mentioned earlier on, like the idea of making the big video. Mm. Um, it seemed like a lot of work went into that video. And it all seemed like you, you had a hell of a time doing it. Yeah. Or is that actually really, really stressful? Like, does it just look fun? You know, it's like both. I made all the music videos with my my best friend in London, who's called Greta. And she is also like an artist, musical artist, uh, but also an incredible like visual artist. And she helped creative direct the whole, like all the visuals around the album, which she hadn't done before. And I think when we spoke about it, I was like, hey, I feel like we should do all of this together. She was like, me? I was like, you. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely like working with friends is is so good and that I don't know. She knows just how much to push me and in what directions, you know. Um, 
you know, she, it, no one else, not that music video, but there was another one that I danced. No one else could convince me to dance. Like, again, if I was like on a label and someone was like, here's Roy, your creative commissioner. And Roy was like, you should dance. I'd be like, no, but because it's like my best friend being like, eh, you should dance. I'm like, okay. Um, but same with the zombie thing where it was like, yeah, it was so fun. It was like a two day shoot. And we just, yeah, got all these like boys, two or three of which we knew. The rest I just found on Instagram and we got them to come to a really quaint village in Surrey and put like contact lenses in and they were like zombie. I think zombie soft boys was the name that we kind of affectionately gave them. They were kind of meant to be a play on, you know, the very approachable sensitive seeming boy that can in some cases be the most toxic so he seems reproachable and he's got his nails painted and he's got a band t-shirt and he's like tucking his long hair behind his ear but he can be just as dangerous as all the rest wow um <laughs> jesus yeah he's got teeth um i wanted to ask you about horror movies though um oh cool is the zombie like your kind of horror drug of choice i spent um last halloween or like last october i watched 31 horrors in 31 days wow which was uh not a great idea for my mental health i have to admit oh my god was that a personal project or yeah, something yeah, yeah. that you were like writing yeah. about no no it, it should have been but i was i just did the other part i just like was like fuck it because i i was like my pandemic has been watching movies all the time like constantly mm-hmm. like i got like a letterbox account and i've become obsessed with it so wow. it's just like you know the idea of like watching one or two films a day suddenly became like a really healthy thing to do and i think yeah. it actually is a healthy thing to do because it was like there are way worse things yeah, to do. yeah especially definitely. especially when it was like you can't leave your fucking house so yeah. i was like well i might as well watch texas chainsaw massacre you know like let's wow. let's go for it but uh zombies though like I, I remember one stage being like watching a couple of zombie movies and being like i was like yeah the, the zombie to me just doesn't like i th- there's not that many places you can go with it not that i'm criticizing your like no i agree song, but i actually know so little about zombies and zombie movies like it's pretty much the same template like and like mm. some people worship it like you know for people listening right now who've got zombie tattoos and i'm, I'm really sorry yeah um, like, but it know, can be quite one-dimensional is what you mean yeah like, there's not really anywhere you can push it further. not really like it's good for social commentary much like the song that you wrote because yeah. it's all about you know oh it's actually about like capitalism you know it's actually like about <laughs> like you know man's inhumanity to man and like yeah. you know, war in vietnam or something sure sure and this is like how we represent it and i was like that's oh cool yeah and like in the 70s and stuff that was obviously very counterculture but now it's just like people getting their fucking limbs ripped off but yeah i don't know i mean like, I guess, like, when it comes to media, uh, mm. what does scare you? Like, what is your kind of, like, fuck, I can't watch that. No way. Not for me. Wow. Not the media. You mean as in films? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not the media. Yeah, no. <laughs> I was yeah. like, where do I begin? <laughs> no, that, that, that well, I'm, always I'm definitely so. in the fence of I can, like, watch gory things, no problem. It's the, like, more psychological stuff that really gets me Mm. i can't think of like a specific one but yeah ones where you don't necessarily see the danger but you feel it and it's suspenseful for the whole thing and yeah i've definitely freaked out by that yeah stuff where your own mind fills in the blanks exactly i think the ones where you see the arm coming off or the zombie walking or the ghost like it's always underwhelming looking and almost always just like kind of naff and Mm -hmm. at that Mm -hmm. point it breaks it yeah but it's when you can't see it that i think it's that's why like to this day the blair witch project is still fucks Mm. with me because i'm like you don't see it it's like i gotta get you to make me a list because you're probably the expert now. i 100 will do that yeah i mean i can't guarantee that all of them will be great or that they'll scare you but you Mm. know it's worth talking about maybe at some what point what was your favorite from the 31? oh wow um oh jesus uh, i think the original halloween holds up pretty well like, okay it's great the music's fucking amazing like you know mm. so yeah that's your next project you gotta score a horror movie 
like sick making be this, so fun making this happen but there is like some very interesting kind of almost throwback stuff like maybe it was intentional maybe it wasn't i mean like uh on you're not special babe mm-hmm. like I, there's like a bit of almost like a bit of oh superman in there like laurie anderson 100 percent intentional i love that song mm. yeah um, and tom who i co-produced it with hadn't heard of it and i think uh yeah i kept playing it to him and i was like how cool is this and he was like i don't think this is i don't get it yeah it's um, very divisive yeah, because it's so uncomfortably long. Isn't that song like eight minutes long or something? It never stops. It never stops. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm a lot more pop and I get straight to the chorus. But yeah, pin- pinching from that. God, that was very intentional. I think she's so cool. But there is like going through the record, like, I mean, like there's a variety of styles. I think you mentioned earlier, like, you know, that maybe if you were on a major, that potentially it could be a bit smoothed out and like a bit more. It would rein me in. <laughs> yeah, you'd be homogenized to fuck. Like, whereas this like allows you the opportunity to kind of, as you say, try on different hats. I mean, there's even um, at least one moment where I wrote down, like, I was like, oh, that's almost new metal. And I was like getting very excited because like that's my, 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 my wheelhouse. But like, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, like I've written down like folk, punk, indie, almost new metal in places. I mm. mean, like. I, is that in itself a challenge, though, to be like, well, where do I stop? Like, at what point does this become Orla Garland's roller coaster of, of, of genre? <laughs> roller coaster through all genres. Yeah. <laughs> How many can she hit in the same 11 songs? Um, not a challenge. I think the challenge is more trying to make it cohesive than than anything. And even, and maybe it's not even cohesive. And maybe I don't like actually worry too much about that. I think, um, yeah, I think if I had someone telling me what to do, there would be conversations definitely about it being one thing. And, and honestly, it wouldn't even be just a label thing. I think the way that we consume music now, it really, it is much easier for us to know where songs go. I'm thinking about like playlist culture specifically, like it's, um, it, you know, sad songs are easy to playlist, but songs that like are a little bit of this and sort of trying to fuse a couple different things, like it, everyone's not really sure what to do with that. So yeah, it was probably a bad CEO move of me, but, um, <laughs> but my own tastes are just quite varied and I, um, just kind of wanted to follow instincts with it and was more, and was comfortable with the fact that it might jump around a lot in tone and energy. Um, yeah. but I think my favorite records do. Yeah, I know, for sure. I mean, like, there, it's it's definitely cohesive. Like, there isn't, like, oh, my God, this is outrageous. Where is she going <laughs> with this one? Um, but that's the good thing about having, like, I don't know, being a singer, like, immediately your voices and everything. That's at least one thing that you have in common between track one and track two, even if the production around them is, like, so different. and Or even just re- writing them at the same time or recording them with the same people. Like, yeah, I definitely learned that you can you can form like natural cohesiveness without trying to force it in an obvious way. Sure. I'm, I'm wary. I think we're at the stage where the last person anyone wants to be is like, you know, how was the pandemic for you? But I'm curious, like, like, was the album fully done? Like, were you working on it at all during like lockdowns or, or were you like... Yeah, no, it was fully done last year. Okay. Yeah, well, it was mixed and mastered. Well, I, I delivered it final versions in January, but the bulk of it was done last year. And that was, uh, that was interesting. I mean, I actually, I was grateful for the the time it's very like interesting language because I feel like last year was so horrible for everyone that I really began resenting people that were like oh my god this time is such a great gift um, uh, yeah you're gonna write your great novel like that kind of stuff you yeah know? and then, and then, then that created a like, whole new pressure of its mm. own but anyway um I think like everyone else I freaked out for the first like six weeks and was like watching all the press conferences like it, it wasn't like oh my god we've got all this time let's get down to the studio it was like god the last thing I wanted to do for ages and then I found a rhythm with it finally um, 
But yeah, most of it was made last year. But that, that, in fact, one of the only, like, I think one of the only, like, deliberate choices I made um, was not to write, like, songs about lockdown. Thank you for doing that, <laughs> by the way. I, I don't, like, some people did it and did it well. Charlie XX, for example, like, I think kind of, like, stole the march on that quite quickly mm. and was smart, like, she, as she often is. She's incredibly savvy. Yeah. And it, and it made sense. Mm. But, yeah, Jesus Christ. Like, like it's, it's one of those things that I still fear. Like, I'm like, yeah. will there be an album in 2022 about 2020? Like, well, oh, this oof. is the thing as well. It takes so long to get music, like, especially a whole, you know, set of songs, a big long one, like, it takes so long from start to finish. So whatever you're singing about, although it's natural to sing about what's happening around you, by the time you get it out, it's probably going to be long gone. And mm. also, like, what do you really want to be remembered for? Like, I don't want to... Like, in a selfish sense, this is, like, a big moment for me, and I'm not really <laughs> willing to let any pandemic take that from me. So, you know... Was and I also don't think it's our job as sure. musicians to to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it maybe depends on the kind of musician. I mean, like if someone's like, you know, I'm so plugged into what's happening right now. Yeah. But then again, I mean, like, like the likes of fucking Rage Against the Machine, like where are they? It's like, lads, now's the time. Now is Jesus the time Christ. to rage. But was there much, like, was there much kind of like, you know, this is my fucking moment. Like, God damn it world. Like, I'm ready. Like, was there any kind yeah, of... Yeah, I definitely... Yeah, I felt sorry for myself last year in moments. Do you know, I I felt more sorry for myself this year because... I think the people who really got screwed over last year were the people who had just released a, a, an album and were set to tour the world and do a big festival circuit. And that wasn't me. I was always meant to be writing last year. So I was able to twist the narrative in my head last year that like, this is going to be a good thing somehow. And it's a different year than we all expected, but it's fine. It's this year. It's this year that I've really like felt it because I just want to be gigging yeah well i'm and doing more of this stuff in person that's what's so nice about this yeah and like seriously so much like zoom i'm delighted because like, i i messaged you like obviously months ago or probably like forever ago and i was like oh class like like let's do it in person and then the pandemic happened i was like oh well mm. yeah the zoom thing it's like everyone's just fucking done with it like I mean, oh it's so, god it's so so like just the loading screen before the other person comes on like that image is like burned into my horrible, brain it's horrible horrible like, yeah it will be triggering for all of us oh, yeah. it, it already is my um like i was doing therapy on zoom um, oh my god yeah yeah, Every, yeah that's the thing work becomes <laughs> socializing becomes zoom but my therapist said like uh she had a really good like the line of the therapy the one that i will take with me she was like we're going through a trauma and the only way to get through a trauma is to get through a trauma and i was like mm. oh that's pretty fucking yeah poignant and then she said and then when all this is over the entire world is going to have post-traumatic stress disorder and i was like that's incredible and she was like oh, some people will not accept that and will not acknowledge it and won't believe yeah. it and will never engage with it but that's what's happening yeah. and i was like fuck so we've all got great excuse though for like the rest of our lives. We but all have PTSD. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes complete sense. I think it's true. I think, I don't know about you, but like I found this year like mentally so challenging. Um, even when good things have happened, it's like my capacity to deal with work and busyness and everything is so low. And yeah, every now and then I'm like really hard on myself and I'm like, come on, this is your debut album. Like just push through it. Like, here we go. And then I'm like, oh my God, like cut yourself some slack like it's fine and we're still in such a weird mm -hmm. such a weird time but like yeah and there are extreme positives that i want to get to i swear um but one thing i will pick up on because you mentioned it kind of in passing or at least alluded to it um you mentioned like people be getting screwed over and mm. um, i'm talking to you right now at a time in ireland of course where like there's literally people meeting today the arts industry meeting with the government for the latest give us a fucking roadmap conversation mm. which again 
As usual, it's just been kicked down the road. Um, I guess from your point of view, as someone who has been gigging a little bit, I mean, you mm. played Latitude, I think, mm. over the summer, which again, surreal scenes, even just seeing it on Twitter. It was surreal there. So yeah, like, I mean, take surreal. us through that process. And also like in terms of like, how is it to get in front of, like was that was thousands of people, wasn't it? I mean, that was like... Yeah, I mean, you never really get a full count because it's not like a venue, but mm. yeah, it was definitely like more full than I expected. Um yeah, it was surreal even being there. It was really strange. Like it was, I think there have been one or two other things in the UK, but they were kind of download fast. They were like things that were like different genres. So for most people there, it was like everyone's first. Um, I was definitely building up like two two years of nerves about everything that can go wrong during a gig. Like I was so much more nervous for that than I had ever been in my entire life to the point where I was like, why do I choose this as a profession? This is so horrible. Um, but actually equally, as soon as it started, I was like, there was some muscle memory to it and yeah. it was just nice. And I was, um, I can definitely imagine a scenario where artists are kind of not sweating the small stuff as much, you know, it's like touring and gigging and stuff on my level is still so grim, you know, it's still like cramming into the back of cars type <laughs> grim. It's so far from glamorous. Um, but I think I did miss, I did miss it so much that I'm, I'm not going to be quick to complain. Yeah. I say, I mean, I give it one more gig and then I'll complain again. <laughs> I, I spoke with, um, with Dahi recently. Uh, he played a gig there for the first time in like literally like a year and a half or whatever it was. And he said to me that he felt useful for the first time. That is so true. Yeah. And it gives, it's weird. It gives everything else its place. Like it's, you know, I feel very lucky to have like a little studio set up and be able to use that, like to be self-sufficient and be able to like record myself and film myself over the last while and like do this album. I've, I've been useful in a way, but ultimately like if you don't gig the songs, they don't really feel like they ever happened, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? And if you don't road test them as you go, like can you record them with confidence knowing that they're quite right? So it's like, it's not like I'm like a touring 10, 10 months out of the year artist, but equally like, the gigging informs the writing, informs the recording, informs the gigging in, in a kind of circle. So I think it's once you cut one of those off, God, it's just so weird. I can totally imagine that for Dahi. Yeah, just it just making a bit more sense. So whether it was Latitude or whether it's anything else you've done lately, um, was there any one song in particular that you were especially like, this is the one I got to play live. This has to happen and it hasn't happened yet. Mm, probably that zombie one. Okay. Yeah, we finished the set without a Latitude. And I was holding back tears for the whole set, which is so unlike me because I'm fairly stoic as they come. But I was just so like sensory overload the whole set. Just couldn't believe all the people came. And I was like remembering like how it felt to have the in-ears in again. And I was just like, I probably looked like so weird because I was just like, ah. <laughs> um, but ultimately like really happy. But I could tell that I was going to cry as soon as the set was over. So I was like singing the last song and like yelling it, but it was like right on the edge. Um, but that one from the beginning was like, it's just meant to be very like raucous and bandy and yeah. Energetic and and it was like one I wrote at the end of the whole thing because my friend pointed out to me he was like you can't really ever see the wood for the trees in your own writing but sometimes when someone else points out something you can see and right at the end my friend was like he listened through the demos and was like it's good but you do follow a pattern all the time where it's like small verse big chorus small verse bigger chorus you know which is completely true yeah you're the pixies like yeah not, well, <laughs> not, not a bad place to be no but it also means that like you're following patterns without realizing like when you work on your own a lot you do just you can just do the same thing again and again so 
that was one I wrote at the end because I was like, well, I want one that crashes in with some energy from the beginning. I mean, and then it goes into a small verse again, but as an intro is all I mean. <laughs> yeah. But you said though, like about, you know, like shaken offering roast or having muscle memory, but like, I, I think you caught a true thing there when you were kind of maybe suggesting the idea of I, like, I think crowds are almost ready for fuck ups like they're like almost begging for it i mean like like some of my favorite parts about going to see a gig is when someone makes a mistake because you're like well that might not happen tomorrow in like denmark it makes it special it's like this one moment of camaraderie between everyone yeah. and unless you're a support act that no one is listening to or like unless you're really in a bad situation yeah people are going to be on your side yeah they go with you and i've had some pretty i've had some pretty bad ones of those that's what's weird about touring like pre- pre-COVID life um that year 2019 I did you know probably more tours than I had done before I was probably away for like four or five months of the year and when you gig that much like there's a point at which you become so used to it that you just it's like clockwork and you just disengage and you're and you're just disassociated on stage and that's actually the worst the worst like when you get too good yeah or too not even too good but like too well oiled like no butterflies coming out yeah, yeah, you're not present at all. So actually that weird bit of like chaos, which is what I had in abundance at that Latitude gig, just because it had been so long. That's what kind of makes it exciting is that like thing on the edge. And the more and more gigs you play, the more of the things that can go wrong will. And you also realize that you're just taking them off. Like guitar doesn't start, classic. You drop the mic, classic, fall. I've done it all of it. <laughs> but you once you take it off, you're kind of like, the next time that happens, I will be less mortified. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's those individual moments though. And I think if you, if you got the right crowd, like they'll think that's a special thing. Like they got to see. Yeah. Or, or got them to fuck difference. up on stage. Yeah. Like it's kind of it like. It just makes it different. And I can't remember who it was. My manager is really into the national. I was going to reference the national because I've seen them. Like that's one of my early touch points, but please you. Well, t- I think yours. it was, I could be mistelling her story, but there's a band that she loves that she went to see on multiple days of the same tour. And I remember her saying the how, maybe it wasn't the national, anyway, some band, but I remember her saying how disappointing it was to her as a fan that every anecdote, every beat, everything was exactly the same mm-hmm. in Dublin as it was in London, as it was in Belfast. Like it was, it, it was all scripted, even the moments that felt candid in that the band would tell, it definitely wasn't the national, I'm racking my brains trying to think of who it was, but, and they told every crowd at the same point that they were their best crowd of the tour. And it yeah, was just yeah, like, yeah. That is the worst, you yeah, know, course, like yeah. not being reactive or present at all. And yeah, a little fuck up moment, like you said, it, it just differentiates. Yeah, that's the tricky one though. I mean, like the national thing I was going to say was that, like I saw them in the Olympia Theatre and like it must have been 2007 or something and the front man started into a song but he fucked it up and mm-hmm. stopped and kind of laughed and the crowd like, typical Irish thing, everyone's like, way, yeah, but they yeah. weren't mocking him. They were like, this no. is cool. But like, yeah, that thing as well though. I mean, like I've, you know, I haven't seen the same band on a tour too often but like i guess if you're following a band on tour and you're getting the same meal every night it's kind of like well this is what they do like it's a tricky one i think i would expect the set list to be the same on a tour it's sure. not like you're expecting every show to be different it's more the scripted banter it's though, more the scripted banter weird, and, and yeah. it's the it's the it's the moments that you thought were candid and uh and just then mm. and actually you know it was just very much like clockwork now Make your own to-do list And eat whatever you want for breakfast Yeah Get a job just to get by Spend your money till you die Some people don't stick around But don't lay yourself down Find the ones that get you Stick to them like high 
fans that you have like I mean like to, to stand base if you will I mean like I don't like I haven't forensically analyzed this or anything but it seems to me maybe I'm wrong um, but it seems to me that your fans are like if, if you go on to like say like if Lord tweets something or if Taylor Swift tweets something not, not that I'm not suggesting that you're not in the same echelon range of these people <laughs> but I mean, if they, they they get the weirdest, most entitled, almost bot-like, it's like its own language. They don't seem like real people, but I think the Orla Garland fans who I've seen interacting with you seem incredibly dedicated, very protective of you. Very protective. Incredibly, obviously incredibly involved. And I'm sure yeah. that, that comes with its own level of, of overwhelmingness and there's a certain parasocial thing there, of course. But I mean, like maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive, but it seems like the Orla Garland fans are like, you know, on the side of the angels. Like it seems like you do have an, a ridiculous community behind you. I don't know, like where does that even come from? How do you manage it? I don't like, know they're fiercely like loyal as well that's the thing that I can't get over is like I think it's interesting I'm at the level where you know there's you know I post something and people comment but I'm also not big enough that I don't read or see all of it I think that is a big part of why those like huge megastars have all of that like horrible abuse under everything because I think there's a level of fame at which people just treat you like objects basically and I'm not on that which is good um but yeah the loyalty thing is incredible because I'm seeing because I do recognize the same names again and again I'm seeing people on my timeline this week saying oh I've pre-ordered that I know have been around for like seven years and I'm just like the internet moves so fast like what on earth have I done to make you stick around for seven years I don't know if I've liked anyone for that long so I don't really know. I think it's funny. You don't really get to choose your people, do you? No. I think there are spaces on the internet where like I can give back to that community a little bit. And like, I, I don't know. I feel like I know, I feel like I don't know how to keep, keep, keep those people happy, if that makes sense. And I've learned like what they want from me and, you know, not that it's all about that, but yeah, but, it is interesting. But, you don't get to choose your fans, basically. Yeah, like, but there, you're lucky to have any. But there is an element of that, though, where like I'm sure people come to you, you know, with. I mean, I don't, I don't know this, but I would guess confidently that people have come to you been like, Jesus Christ, that song helped me through my breakup or something. I mean, like, right, yeah. probably coming with very personal stories. I mm. mean, and again, I mean, like that's. A, a strange place to be perhaps yeah. like a I'm sure there are days when like it's holistic but also like you're an individual you're a human being and you're like yeah. I'm a fucking mess like it's like a head yeah <laughs> there's definitely a detachment that you have to have from that I was really bad at that a few years ago like I would like sift through the sift through the like other Instagram folder and like happily read away and then you realize like whoa this stuff is like this is heavy and also like those people don't necessarily actually expect a response from you that's what I've realized as well as like you know, if someone tweets me and it's like a reasonable question, I'll always reply. I'm not like Lady Gaga, but yeah, if someone sends me like an intense, you know, five page email about their connection with one song, I, I don't think they actually need anything from me. I think they just wanted to get out whatever it was that they said. So sure, yeah. I think it's differentiating those moments. But yeah, I've seen that with friends as well. The responsibility of it is interesting, especially when they're young. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, do you have a gauge on, like, the demographic? Or again, because, like, you're not in label meetings, mm. but you did refer to yourself as a CEO earlier on, so I'm curious <laughs> as to uh, at what level, like, like how many spreadsheets well, you do can, you have? Like, on, a, on a very, like, mechanical level, you can obviously see your insights on all the sites, and, like, it is very varied. I think it's slightly more female, um, but the ages are quite interesting. Like, if I do a show, it's... It's everything from like 14 year old, 15 year olds, but also like, yeah, just mid twenties, college age people as well. Some much older people. Yeah. It is actually very, really varied. Um, it's really interesting. And again, you don't get to pick that. Like I do feel lucky in that sense, but equally I could have like a really, really horrible, horrible fans and I couldn't 
really do anything about it. I guess you're breeding uh, community and environment like that. That's what dictates the people, right? Yeah, but does it dictate the music ever? I mean, I can't mm. imagine that you necessarily would go to the studio with the intention of writing a song specifically mm. purely to satisfy a fan base but like no. like if you look at your your path i mean mm-hmm. it has been what's the word i'm looking for here like i guess communicative or something communal sure sure like sure. almost every step of the way yeah so yeah does that ever filter into the songwriting process no i don't allow it to but it's easy to do that like i definitely again i know <laughs> i know what those people want from me <laughs> um and it's interesting coming like way 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 back when i used to do loads of youtube stuff i used to get loads of comments every time i released a song with production in it that was like how dare you how dare you put drums on the song like you're an acoustic artist i just want you to play house shows and like travel around in like a Volkswagen van and like wear no shoes like I have an idea of you and you're in that box and I don't want you to leave it so I think I definitely made a conscious choice at that point like yeah I can I can lean into this thing whatever it is that that I do at this point um and probably keep those people happy and maybe maybe you know like we're saying like maybe it's a more obvious thing when you do just do that, but like, God, oh, it sounds so boring. <laughs> uh, one of the most, I thought, like, well, like one of the standout moments on the record for me was how it ended. Um, mm. and it's, so it's uh, Bloodline and, and Difficult Things, I believe. Mm. Um, so I, I, this, is, this is the part where Dave projects massively on, onto the music. Go um, for it. In the songs, I mean, I'm sure by now people will have heard them if they haven't already. Um, so it's like a two-parter really it seems mm-hmm. to be and it seems to be addressing family mm-hmm. and about your your own kind of upbringing specifically mm-hmm. uh there's captured audio in there mm-hmm. um which again from what i've from what i can glean i'm assuming it's like home movies or something mm-hmm. yeah. and i mean there's your dad yeah my, um, my dad and mom, mom yeah yeah i figured it was your parents but you know you, you don't want to make assumptions yeah, yeah it, it could be anybody but like i'm listening to it and i'm like man i can see the fucking wallpaper you know like, mm. there's something incredibly specific about that lens that irish house in I don't know, the 90s i guess probably yep. um so it's like there's just something about it and like the innocence of childhood just the promise of all these years to come but there's a weird kind of melancholy in there as well mm. and if i have the dialogue correct like it's something like something about like Orla's always looking sad in photographs or something yeah 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 and I then, think it's like my mom being like come on smile come yeah, on yeah and then I think she says maybe like does she say you're ruining people's photographs is yeah that, you're ruining everyone's photographs yeah. I, so I'm listening to this and I'm like fuck I'm like this is like were the, you a sulky child um, I'm, I think I'm a sulky adult sure, yeah, I, I, think sure. I'm, I think I'm sulky <laughs> in general but no shy I think for sure yeah. and, and like like these kind of comments to me like I'm hearing those comments and like probably throwaway coming mm. out of your parents mouth or whatever you probably don't mean that much by it but that's the kind of shit that can stay with you for your yeah. entire well, life well that's probably the stuff we're all working through now isn't yeah it? big like, time I'm very lucky I have like two amazing parents and I avoided like singing about my family for so long because I felt it had to be reserved for people who had like hugely you know hugely traumatic upbringings which I didn't have it's much more in the the things that stuck with me in the not so good ways are much more in the subtleties like you said of yeah, always being told that you should smile, always being told, like, don't go near your sister when she's like that. You know, it's, like, way more in the little things. But those are the things where you're there in your, like, 20s and 30s, like, working through them with some therapist being like, I guess I guess my dad did always say that to me. And so, 
Yeah, it's just like trying to piece some of that together. It's so interesting. And like to them, like I say, I mean, if you remind them of they're probably like, did I say that? Why are you talking about it? And you're yeah. like, you're like, that has defined me for 30 years. Like, you yeah. know, it's just like, yeah. oof, the things that we say in passing uh, to children. Like, I mean, because like I it's... I know. Like God, kids. if I had kids, I would be so aware of the responsibility. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, like that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, there's a certain darkness I, I find like with kind of those years. And like, I think kids can handle darkness to a degree that probably we don't really appreciate as, mm. as, as adults and know. And the song to me, that both parts of the song felt to me like both kind of like acceptance and rebellion. It mm-hmm. felt kind of like, you know, because you've got the, the refrain about how like we all become our mothers in the end. Mm-hmm. And the way it ends as well with like saying we, we don't talk about difficult things. Which ends on such a like, like musical tempo note of defiance, mm. but there's such but a fucking yeah, sad, yeah, it really is, and it, and it's just like to me like it's a, it's a spellbinding way to close the album off. Like it does feel like a book being shut closed, mm. but a book that can never be closed. And I'm just yeah. like fuck. So yeah, oh, and, I, and I think, but I think, I think ending an album has become kind of almost a lost art in its way. I mean, mm. was this always the intention, or did it just come out this way? Once it became two kind of songs tagged into one, it became clear that it should go at the end. Yeah, I, I just love like, I guess they are joined with a big sort of kind of atmospheric section in the middle, but I miss like proper secret songs right at the end. Again, it's like how we consume music doesn't really lean into that anymore, but yeah, I think it's so fun. So yeah, well, it wasn't at the beginning of writing it. It could have just been any track anywhere on it. But I think as soon as it became a little two-parter, I was like, I think that should go at the end. Um, at that point though, because as you say, like it's not necessarily a well that you tap into too often. Because I wanted to ask you actually, like I mean like, and again, like this is obviously a very direct question, but like, and it's like, you know, I'm always wary of like, tell me what the lyrics mean. But I mean like, like I'm just curious as to like how, do you do you retreat into characters or is this just full on this is me I mean because it's like yeah. like there are like there's names on this record there's like it felt like there was yeah. like people being given life and stuff and then of course to end in, in that way which is so very specifically you mm. and very specifically yeah it is mainly that me. time I like, think some songs are like embellished me or imagined me or me on a certain day but I think ultimately it is my like voice that ties it together I mm. think um it's hard to get away from that, I think. Yeah. But equally, when I'm on stage, I do feel like a slightly elevated, slightly more confident version of myself. So I think in the songwriting, you you can take on a slightly different form, but I think it's rooted in in me. I guess like kind of like as we move to kind of close, I'm, I'm curious as to what this album has like taught you, if anything. Mm. It's taught me that I, what did it teach me? Yeah, it it told me that I really like doing things on my terms, which is, you know, I say this with like having slept so, so little in the last few months, but ultimately like I feel, I already feel so proud of it coming out on Friday um, that I don't really care what it does, if it does anything. I actually like really genuinely don't care um, because I've like just made something I'm proud of. Um, So that is a good thing. It's also just taught me, well, in, in, the sense of my artist project it's really taught me how to find the sweet spot between self-sufficiency and kind of delegating roles like like we spoke about you you wear all the hats um and that's a really good thing and I think that's how you make music that is very you not by watering it down with too many cooks um but equally like I have a great band. I wanted to include them. Like I wanted to make music videos for the people. It's also like learning to relinquish some of that control. So that like push and pull, uh, 
is something I'll probably take with me because I can I can be trying to micromanage everything and let me play the drums, let me do it. I want to do I want to shoot the music videos and it's like yeah well you know other people are better at those things. You can't do everything really well. So I think it's 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 I've found a rhythm with that kind of stuff that I think I would take forward. I guess lastly. I'm, I'm aware that it's like an ongoing conversation, um, but I think it'd be remiss of me to not ask an independent artist in particular, like, mm-hmm. I mean, at this time, especially one who uh, like has gone from Ireland to the UK and, you know, comes back over when, when she can. Um, the ongoing kind of thing right now with like essentially arts versus government. I mean, yeah. like, which is, of course is like, it's heating up so hot right now in Ireland. Yeah. It's so present. I can't imagine it's gone away in England uh, or, or the UK. And like, obviously like whether it's pandemic related or not, whether like, whether it was a case of like, you know, get a real job, retrain, <laughs> all that kind of stuff that yeah. people have had to come through in the last 18 months. And you know, it's not going to go away. No. My kind of stance on it is, and it's something that people listen to this podcast will probably be like, okay, enough Dave, you said it enough times. It's a bit of a fucking slogan now, but I do always come back to this idea of living in countries that sell the countries on the, on the work of artists on creativity and then don't, don't after them. and don't support it and then reject the idea that a person number one can be vulnerable and two need like you know is actually doing a job like yeah. you know it's like why is this not a job why like why is this not the same as an optician or whatever so yeah. that's been an ongoing thing it's continuing to be an ongoing thing it feels like artists in the UK and they're on the fact to fight for any kind of patch land they've gotten in the last time so yeah. for you to be releasing this album at this time and as someone who has completely built themselves up, mm-hmm. I guess, what is your kind of current headspace with all of this right now? Or do you have to just dial that dance lines because it's just so fucking much? Yeah, it is definitely so fucking much. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny. I don't think there's any level of these kind of creative jobs that you can reach that you don't have that feeling that you're completely useless all the time. I don't know where that I don't know where it comes from. I mean, I do know where it comes from, like I said, how we're treated, but God, yeah. I mean, I've definitely tried to just dial it back, but like ultimately I think it's, it is so sad to see like my industry as decimated as it is right now, both here more so, but even in the UK, like I felt lucky to be playing those festivals, but you know, someone's making money at that festival. Like that's not, that, those festivals aren't just allowed to go ahead for the like wholesomeness of the artist experience. Like it's, you know, they're owned by massive companies that are pushing for them to be, um, to still go ahead. So yeah, it's definitely hard not to get really cynical about it sometimes. And ultimately I feel lucky to do this, but it's, uh, yeah, it's rough out there. It's wild. I guess the one thing you could say though is that like, you know, cliche as it sends me to, to end this way, but like the music does endure. And I think Absolutely. And I think Orla Garden has made a fucking great debut album. One Thank which you. I know is gonna inspire a lot of people. And as you mentioned, like, you know, like a lot of young women as well will hear this album. Hope so. But we'll pick up a guitar if they haven't already. So that's gotta be an exciting thing as well. Oh my god, absolutely. And actually that was like not to circle back to it too much, but when the gender disparity radio report thing came out, like that was the thing I was thinking. I actually sent a really strongly worded email to FM 104 last week that I'm sure I'll get no response to. Um, and, you know, obviously they came out, you know, really particularly bad on this. Like it was like 0% females or something. I think I remember like, you tweeting them at the time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they won't reply to me. But anyway, <laughs> but I, what I did was I followed up with an email being like, look, because I think it, it can get really heated online, this gender disparity stuff. And like it can get really like performative and it's it's everyone's intentions are good but it can get quite bitey and so yeah I just sent them an email being like I just want to give you a bit of context that like I listened to your radio station on the way to school I like every day when I was in 
secondary school and I heard like the reason this is a big deal is because I didn't hear anyone that was like me and I never even thought till I was like, much older and saw people in other ways in other countries online specifically um I never even thought that I could do this as a job because I just like heard nothing but guys on your radio station so this isn't just about like making quotas or like people sending like angry tweets and like you know mobilizing people against you it's about like the next generation way more so than it is about me and my album but my generation of artists like it's it's way more about just putting examples in front of people that it's like hey you can do this job but with how things are and like you said how the arts are treated I mean yeah I don't know maybe it's best not to put that example in front of anyone yeah I saw, <laughs> like I, I still think it's good though to to send the email um yeah even I if- mean look <laughs> we'll see I don't think I'll get anything out of it other than it may be like a little bit of vent of frustration but I think I what what I mean to say is when you're an artist and you're tweeting radio stations saying why don't you play more women it's very hard for not to that not to come across as why don't you play more me sure I don't want to come across like bitter because I'm not bitter um but yeah it was more just trying to give a different angle of like look it's it's a it you have to see examples that people who look like you in the various roles for you to even like open your mind as a child so that might be a road to go down um and equally it's like it's so you know it's so nice I, I do think it will I do think it will change. I think Irish people have way more diverse and interesting tastes than they're given credit for yeah. by these people. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think as well, like in Ireland in particular, I mean, obviously like it's where I live, it's where I've lived my life. I can't speak to other places too much, but I, it does feel to me like artists, especially at the moment, are thriving. If they're thriving at all, if they're doing anything good in spite of the country, in spite of the government, you know, mm. like, like they're making it happen for themselves because they have passion and souls, which thankfully maybe they find like-minded people. And, yeah. But but it can take, it, it, it can be a weird place to be to be like part of a thing but also like being like and, and contributing to the thing contributing yeah. to like the place but also kind of no, still but being, with an honest narrative and yeah. that's like refreshing yeah and i think that like like that's one of the many kind of or like ireland things so um in a good way yeah I'll <laughs> in, take in the it. best possible way thank you um yeah thank you for coming in and for chatting by the way i know no you're worries. you're fucking no. crazy busy which is which is great i guess but also it's good to be busy though thank you for having me here it's nice to be back in the workman's anytime yeah jesus this is like my first time here in a while so it's not quite what it was but we'll get there <laughs> we uh, will um but yeah until next time and i guess next time you're on the show it'll be when you've realigned irish radio for, oh my god yeah for, for i'll be presenting it <laughs> was the fantastic Orla Gartland on No Encore in conversation. Her debut album Woman on the Internet is out now. She is all over the internet, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, we talked about TikTok. You can track her down. She's a savvy person. She's an incredible artist and it was a wonderful thing to get to chat to her again. Thank you to Orla for taking the time. Thank you to Vinnie Casey of the Workman's Club for giving us a space in which we could have that time, have that conversation. Thank you to you for listening, you listener. You know, thank you for taking the time as well. I think Orla... Wherever she goes, people follow. Uh, If you're new to this podcast, like I say, we are called No Encore. 
We have a nice mix, a nice blend of humor and incisive music analysis every Friday on this podcast. No Encore is the name. Patreon.com slash No Encore if you want to support the show, help us continue to make episodes like these. It's always great to go in depth with an artist, especially one as interesting, as cool and as kind of of the moment as an Orla Garland. It was wonderful to catch up with her. I'm very, very glad that we got to do this one. And thank you once again for listening. My name is Dave Hanready and this has been No Encore. There will be no encore. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.